What happens to us after we die? Do we cease to exist? Or do we live on? This may be the biggest question that mankind has ever asked. Where do we go when we die? And who is there to greet us? And why? What exactly does it mean to become a spiritual person? Does it consist of following predetermined laws? Or is it a personal journey? These are the types of questions that we will discuss. Welcome to the Regression Session. Welcome back to the Regression Session. My name is Ian, and this week we're going to be hearing from Alia, who is an energy healer, a Reiki healer, and a psychic medium. She can channel past lives um, for people. So unlike me, who has to put you under hypnosis, she can actually describe your past life for you. And she was able to accurately describe places that she's never been. I'll warn you guys ahead of time, this episode is a little long. It's going for about an hour 45, maybe like an hour 50. So just kind of buckle up, but it's really, really interesting. If you've had your own experience of past lives or past life memories, or just want to come onto the show to talk about your spiritual views with me or spiritual experiences, shoot me an email. My email is theregressionsession at gmail.com. So without any further ado, let's jump right into the interview. Hey, Alia, thanks for coming onto the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So for the audience sake, just kind of tell me a little bit about what it is you do. So I, I am an energy healer. I work primarily with Reiki and interdimensional healing. And then I'm a past life reader at the same time where I do, I also see auras. So I do aura readings, past life readings and healings. And for past life readings, I'm a little different than the norm where I see that for the person and then I tell them what I see. And it's usually a live session kind of like this or an email reading where I see it and I write it all down for them and I send them off. So that's me in a nutshell. So, so how does that, how does that work anyway? Like, like when you, when you see someone else's past life, tell me, tell me a little bit about the process for that. Cause I'm really curious. So, um, the process, it took me a while to kind of figure out the rhythm and the pattern before um, it was really sporadic. Like I just knew I could do it. I didn't know how to um, do it on command, I guess. And so when I went through my Reiki training, it gave me more control over my abilities. And then, um, so I guess what I do now is I work with the spirit guides, the higher self and the ancestors. And I connect to a person's energy from anywhere in the world through um, live or Zoom. I just need to know where they are in their name. And I find their energy and I see it first through their colors. And so as I, you know, connect with their colors, I kind of see that person coming more and more into form energetically. And then I ask for their spirit guides to step forward and I'll tell them all about 
you know, what I see with their spirit guides. And if there's any information that needs to be passed over, I ask the ancestors to come forward as well. Um, and same, do the same with spirit guides. If there's any information you want passed over. And then I call in the higher self. And I found that the higher self is that key. It's our higher self has been, knows everywhere we've been and knows everywhere we're going to go. And so when we have that connection with the higher self, that's how we get through the door and how we can find the past lives that are most apt to see at the moment. And so, um, I'll have their higher self kind of lead me down. I'll ask them to show me a door. It's not really necessary, but it's just good for me to have the repetition. Um, and I go through the door and I emerge in a, it's very much like being two places at once where really just how I am now, just kind of sitting on my chair, uh, talking, and I'm also seeing and experiencing a different life in a different place. And I just kind of, um, I'm usually in the perspective or I'm standing right next to them and I feel everything that they felt in kind of, um, like a phantom way, kind of an offhanded way. Um, and just the memories play out and I just kind of say what I see and I just, um, say what is happening and what goes on with the memories. And then, well, I usually go through a couple different lives. Um, I'll go through general things. I see like pins on a map. And so I'll like look at where the pins are and see if any place stands out. Um, I'm pretty good at locating energy. So if someone tells me the name of someone that they know in this life, I can see, I can like find that person and their energy and their past life history and recount the lives they've had with that person. Or if they've ever been curious about a place, then I'll kind of tune into the energy and see if that's just because they really liked literature from there or if they're actually like a past life there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's like the basics of the process. Wow. That's really interesting. So do you like, do you, do you sit there and just kind of like close your eyes and then you can like physically see it? Or is it like a, like you're just getting impressions? No, I, um, I don't close my eyes, um, anymore. Uh, sometimes it helps if it's really, uh, vague and, but it's very vivid. It's, it's very much like a chameleon seeing two things at once, processing two things at once. And so I will, like I sit here on my chair and I can feel that I'm sitting on my chair, but I also feel my feet standing on grass or standing on bricks or whatever. So it's, and I get the visuals. Like I see it very vividly. Most of the time, every energy communicates differently. So some people who are less detail oriented, it's a little bit more vague. Other people are really detail oriented. You really get all the finite details. And then, um, and yeah, so you, so I do, I see it. Um, and I keep my eyes open, but I don't look at the person. Like if you, when you watch me doing it, I'm looking anywhere, but at the person I'm like staring off at the wall. Like you can tell I'm zoned out somewhere. Gotcha. And I'm just, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it because I, I have this condition called aphantasia mm -hmm. where I, I can't, like, if I close my eyes, I can't actually see anything at all in my imagination it's the inability to imagine right. or conjure images in your head or pretty much yeah. anything i have had multiple clients with aphantasia actually um because they struggle regressing themselves so they'll come to me so i can do it for them and see it for them um but i did hear about i, I listened to that first podcast and it's i thought it was really cool and interesting how you're able to get such great details um, without, without the visuals. Um, cause for me, visuals have always been very strong. I had a really vivid, active imagination as a kid. So for me, visualizing has always been easy, like second nature. Yeah. It's, it's really hard for me. I can't, 
like what during that regression i didn't actually see anything i just got impressions i i got i just it it's weird it's almost like i was it felt kind of like i was making up but it just it felt like if i was going to say something else it would be wrong right. so it's it was really weird so that's the only way i can describe it is if i said if i had said anything else or described anything else then i just know that i would have been wrong so i just said whatever felt right and there's a lot of details that kind of lined up yeah yeah i find that it's the same for me where um well i i i get impressions also but it's it's weird it's kind of like experiencing the memory and there's like a narrator and the narrator can be like impressions or it could be the higher self kind of telling me what's going on or it's me just kind of looking around like what where am i what's going on i don't know um so i that's very fascinating to me how you see it because we have very different experiences but we still are able to have those experiences yeah and i've only been able to do it fully one time because the other time i got like rejected i got kicked back out Oh, uh, yeah, it was really it was really weird and, and kind of creepy, to be honest with you. Um, That's so interesting. I'm curious. <laughs> OK, well, I've talked I've talked a little bit about it a few different times, but I'll, I'll tell you about it. So I was sitting down and my brother, I had I kind of taught him a little bit how to do. I gave him like a script. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was like, hey, I need you to just read the script to me and take some time and let me go down. So I went down and I saw a lighthouse. I didn't see it, obviously, but I I got the impression of a lighthouse and it was just way, way tall. It was so tall you couldn't see the top. And it was like in a like a little bay with really rocky mountains. And I and, and I would walk down a boardwalk and around a little hill and then over to the to the lighthouse. So I went in the lighthouse and I walked up this spiral staircase. At the top of the staircase, there was a hallway. It wasn't super long. I would say maybe like a hundred. 200 feet, something like that. And I knew that there was like locked doors on the sides. And I was like, I'm kind of scared to go in the door because it was pitch black. And my brother was like, okay, we'll go through the door or go back out, pick one. And so I was like, okay. And I went, walked down the hall, went through the door and I didn't really walk. I just kind of like appeared in front of the door. So I walked through the door and then I walked down like a set of stairs and I was in my own inner landscape, which is where I typically take people because I use what's called the hall of mirrors to, to regress people Ooh. typically. And so in my inner landscape, it's like a, like a dirt path, maybe big enough for like three people to walk shoulder to shoulder, like three men, grown men. Right. And on both sides of the, this path, there's, giant trees just massive like lodgepole pines you can it's almost like walking down this massive hallway but it's pitch black except for there's i get the sense of a like a really bright white light up behind the back of my head mm -hmm. and it's really high up but it's always kind of behind me so i can only really see the path and then the outlines of the trees but if i try to look at the light it it just stays behind my head no matter where i go so at the end of the path, there's always a shed, not a shed. It's like a cabin. And next to the cabin, there's what I perceive to be my spirit guide. And he is a giant seven foot tall owl with brown feathers that have white tips. Cool. Right. And then if you, if you look in his eyes, it's like looking at the night sky. 
mm-hmm. but like a really, really vivid night sky. It's like looking at galaxies. It's insane. But again, I never saw any of this. I just got the sense. Right. So normally he'll just open his wing and just kind of nod for me to walk in the cabin. And when I walk in, there's usually like a hall of mirrors and I'll, I'll walk in and keep in mind, I've only done this to myself twice. So the first time it happened when I remembered being the woman whose name was Elizabeth, I walked in the, in the hall of mirrors and every single mirror was maybe like a two foot by two foot square. And they were all just the exact same. And I was walking and describing it. And I was like, all the mirrors are the same. They're all boring. They're all the same. And then I saw one and it was an oval. And I was like, huh, that one's different. Why is it an oval? And I walked into it and then I had my first experience. This time there was like a little raised platform and I walked up to it and it was just like a big oval mirror, like a really big one. But standing in the mirror there there was this little girl with red hair. She had two braids going down her shoulders and she was wearing like an old timey, like sack cloth kind of dress. And then she had like Brown old timey shoes. She looked like she was from the 1800s. And um, my friend Taylor actually ended up seeing this because as soon as I started to visualize this little girl, I, I said the words, I'm not supposed to be here. And then I got the sense of my spirit guide or the owl or whatever you want to call it, grabbed me in his wing and then just threw me back up to myself. It was really weird. Yeah, I've been shocked by my spirit guides before. It's an interesting sensation. <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird. It yeah, was, it was really weird. And then I regressed Taylor who was in the second episode I I did of this series Mm -hmm. and she ended up seeing that same little girl. And I was, I went through the whole regression and I didn't, it didn't click. Right. Mm -hmm. And then in the, right in the middle of the session, she goes, Ian. And I go, yes. And she goes, I don't think I'm one of Taylor's past lives. And I was like, what? Okay. Well, what are you? And she was like, I think I'm a visitor here. And I was like, huh? Okay. Like, like uh, and then she interrupted me and said, "Like a ghost." She said that she'd been wandering for a really long time ever since she died. She went to describe how she died, but then she didn't even have any advice for Taylor. She said that she she wanted to talk to me. Oh, that's super interesting. Have you? Wow. Um, I wonder how she would get to that cabin because I, I mean, I talk to dead people a lot actually. Um, so like ghosts have different patterns and they have these, um, way of not really understanding how time works and like time moves differently for them and they can find themselves trapped in certain places and gravitate towards people. They think they can, that can help them. Um, so that's really interesting. And I didn't realize that a spirit could hijack a regression session. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I didn't either. And that's, that's one thing in, um, the last episode that I just released last week, I was talking about how there's definitely the possibility that you can get visitors because it's, it's it's happened to me a couple of times where different entities will kind of sit in right? and you'll have three different or def- well, four different people present in, in the session. There's me, there's the, the, the client or the patient or whatever you want to call them. And then there's the spirit guide. And then there's this visitor and the visitor will be going through their their life. And like one of them, 
with Taylor. She, I've done a bunch with Taylor. One, she said that she could feel this soldier guy named Matthew, like looking through her memories, almost like it, if you were swiping like through photos on your phone. Right. Yeah. And that there was her spirit guide standing over his shoulder, watching him do it. That's so cool. I actually have a similar where I can, I can flip through someone's memories, like a flip book. Um, but wow, that's really interesting. That's, uh, I mean, I have, that doesn't surprise me because entities and people come to my sessions every day. Um, especially my past life readings. I just like to make sure I put like protection over the person just to make sure nothing gets latched on accidentally or anything like that. Um, so if you need protection techniques that could be helpful to learn just to make sure, but I mean, the, the incidents that you talked about don't sound negative. They just, they sound really interesting, just not negative though. So that's good. Yeah. The, the little girl that came through, she told me that you're pretty much going to find what you're looking for. Yeah. So nice. if you're, if you're like, just trying to have a positive experience odds are you'll have a positive experience mm-hmm. yeah I yeah I, I totally get that because a lot of people come to me uh, with somewhat of an intention but the more general people like you can tell when someone is looking for like I want to make sure that I actually was happy in a past life and other people are like I need explanation on why my life it is now so I, I see that people really can decide which lives they see based off what they want to see and not that that sways, like it's not going to like create a fantasy land. It's just showing that we have a lot of lives to choose from. So they can like intentionally, unintentionally, subconsciously choose the positive ones versus the not so positive ones. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I always just, when I do it with the, with the hall, with the technique that I use, like the hall of mirrors thing is more like a guide. And mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of tell people like, you're going to experience whatever you're supposed to see. So if you, it's really important for people to just kind of let the experience happen and not try to control it and just kind of watch it like you're watching a movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. For for me, it's interesting because I'm holding a conversation while seeing it and while getting questions at the same time. So um, it's like, I was regressed a few weeks ago, actually. And so um, it was actually really cool being on the other side of it, um, where I get to experience them for myself, for my lives for myself. Um, and so I, re- I really enjoyed the regression. I mean, it was depressing as all hell, but it was it was fun at the same time, because it was very, it was super vivid. It was like I was standing there. Um, and just like, yeah, I guess it was like a movie and stuff. But it's so funny, because I think I because I do the work that I do, I have a really good handle on how to handle that vibration so I can like play around with memories a little bit while I'm in there and just be like oh what happens if we look over here what happens if we look over there but I'm like hypnotized so it's hard to convey that to the person hypnotizing me I don't even know if that makes sense but yeah no I I get what you're saying it's when you're in a trance it you you give a lot of power to the person that's hypnotizing you yeah so it's it's hard to express complex ideas Right. Yeah. And it's, I like it. I like having someone else there because um, I like having other questions be asked that I wouldn't necessarily think to ask that are really like vital and come up with really cool things, but just things I wouldn't, wouldn't have asked myself. Um, so I think it's cool having another person there. Yeah. For me, it's necessary. I, I actually can't do, do it alone. I, um, 
like those ones on YouTube. I don't even agree with with using those. <laughs> really? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Just because I feel like they're too quick and oh. you're not working with someone who like cares about you. Mm-hmm. And in my last episode, I kind of talked about how there's like I, I talk about past life regressions, right? And and kind of like some of the, the risks associated with it, because there are potential risks because like from a medical standpoint and a scientific standpoint, because you're in hypnosis and you're really susceptible to suggestion right? when you're yeah. in that state. There's actually a really big debate in the scientific community about the ethics behind past life regressions. Some um, really credible medical associations actually condemn it as unethical, believe it or not. But I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that either. I just, I just think that, you know, you just got to be careful. Just like if you're looking for a new doctor or something or a new dentist, you got to really find someone who, who's not just going to fuck around with your head just to get your money. And it's also like any community, anything you do, like psychics, uh, past life, like hypnotists, um, doctors, there's going to be the, you know, the angel of the group, the one who really, truly just wants to help people and do good. And then there's going to be the opposite of that because there's a duality to everything where there's going to be the person who is greedy or it up or, you know, messes things up because they're not... I cussed and so I like I caught myself there too late. Um, but it's all good. I did it too. Oh, okay. I didn't even notice. Um, <laughs> but every community has the duality in it. And so, like, no matter what you go into, there's going to be the chance that you're gonna get the asshole in the group. And so you have to make sure that you kind of go with the gut. Like, do you feel safe with this person? Does this person give you a good vibe, or do you get like some inner sense that maybe this isn't it? Um, because if if you get that inner sense listen to it. Don't, don't push it because right. that's, that's when you could hurt yourself. And that's when you can walk into a situation that really isn't going to serve you well. Right. And then the whole, the whole question behind the ethics actually stems from people having like getting false memories implanted in their heads mm-hmm. for, for this life that they're living right now. And also like creating delusions because it, it can happen if you're not really careful. And if you're not like properly brought back to a state of like full awareness or if, if you're, pra- I call them practitioners, whoever does mm-hmm. this kind of thing. I, I refer to people like us as practitioners. Right. So if your practitioner isn't, it doesn't like take the time to bring you back to yourself and let you sit there and just be yourself and act as yourself. There's a medical risk that, that you could have false memories of this life and it can really mess with your head. And I'm not like trying to discourage people from doing this you just got to know like just make sure that that the people are looking out for your best interest yeah definitely definitely get people who are credible with you know good reviews and like people who back them up i think um because like in my session it was just like it was the whole thing was recorded and it was just him walking me back just navigating me through it and then walking me back up and so yeah i that's it's so awful that, you know, people take advantage of this type of work. Like, of course they do because of duality, but, um, yeah, just definitely don't be afraid to get regressed. Just be careful when you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. I I fully a hundred percent agree with that, you know, and a lot of the people like a big warning sign is like the people who are charging like two to $300 an hour. Right. Those people are just, 
just avoid them. I think even that's if they're so like, much money. Yeah, that's yeah. actually that's actually why I got into doing it in the first place was because I was looking around. I was just really curious about if I had a past life and stuff because of my background. Mm-hmm. And um, I was looking around, and almost everybody in my area was like one hundred and fifty dollars an hour to three hundred dollars an hour. I was like, you guys are off your rocker. Yeah, that's a lot. And like, I don't know, it's it's kind of, I feel like people should genuinely charge what they feel is worth their worth. And I don't think I can take that power away from anyone. If they truly, truly believe that they are worth $150, $300 an hour, then I guess more power to them. And I hope that they get clients who, ref- I'm sure they get clients who reflect that. But I don't know, for me, I've had such a hard time charging people. And like the re- I'm right now, 75 an hour for new clients. And for me, that was hard to do. And only after, I only did that after encouragement from my clients telling me to charge more and realizing that it, it was exhausting. Going back for people is, is genuinely tiring. And so it's, it's, it's hard to have that balance, but you got to find the balance. And you also have to know you can't take advantage of it because a lot of people will yeah but, that that's yeah. absolutely true that's absolutely true so you know as, as far as like you when you're saying it's exhausting i would love to to know a little bit more about about that side of about what you're doing so you know you you said a few things that really intrigued me you were talking about seeing pins on a map you were talking mm-hmm. about you can locate energy tell me a little yeah. bit more about that Um, yeah, I'm very good at locating energy. Um, well, okay. So I have Reiki training. Reiki is a Japanese energy healing technique invented, not invented, but kind of rediscovered about a hundred years ago by Mikawasui. And, um, through it, it teaches you, um, there's different levels to it. There's one, two, three and master and then master teacher. And, um, in the second level you get a symbol. It works with symbols and it's called Honshazish. Oh, am I allowed to talk about that? Oh, um, eh, it's like widely well, it's widely known these days. So you can just Google it, but there's a distant symbol. It's called Honshazishonen and it lets you connect to any place at any time. And for some reason, it came very naturally to me. It was, um, I didn't have to practice too much with it. It just, when I got uh, tuned to it. That's what they call it as the attunement process. When I got attuned to this symbol, it w- it was like another extension of me. And so through my Reiki training, I was able to, you know, turn my abilities off and on as needed. Um, they don't turn off that much these days though. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, um, I always like to make sure I always keep myself in check. Like I always make sure that, you know, it is the person I'm connecting to and I'm not just pulling, you know, falsehoods out of thin air. Um, but usually if, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain how I do it, but with the symbol and with just kind of my innate abilities, I can feel where their energy lies, wherever it is, whether it be on this planet, a different planet in the planes. Um, like that's how I connect with people who've passed on. That's how I connect to spirit guides. And that's how, um, I do my past life. So, yeah, I don't know. I just have this gift to this ability to like locate energy and it's enhanced by Reiki, but, um, I don't really know how it works. I just know that I know how to make it work. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I I have two follow-up questions. So the first question is how do you verify that you're connecting with the people's actual past lives or higher self? And the second question, completely unrelated, have you had clients that have had lives on other worlds? Uh, oh, very different questions. Okay. So, um, second question. Yes, I've definitely had, I've had several 
I've had several at this point who've had lives in other worlds. And first question, um, I get a feeling if it's off, um, like when with the email sessions, it's definitely a lot more trickier. Um, and I definitely do like triple verifications and I send it to them and I make sure it resonates and it doesn't resonate. And well, which it's never not resonated so far. Um, but if it weren't, then I definitely got the wrong person. I've had moments. I actually did have an email reading where it just didn't feel right. Like I got all this information. I got all this feedback, but when I connected, there was this weird block up and I saw this weird face and it just kind of felt like my energy got thwarted. And so I did the whole reading. And then at the end of it, I was like, you know, I, I don't feel that this is right for this person. And so I emailed her and I asked if she could, you know, just send me a little bit more information, just like send me a picture of her face and just like, um, whether she was male or female, just, just like little tiny things so I could verify. And then I realized that I did connect to the absolute wrong energy. And so I, um, redid it and, you know, had a completely different session because of it and she resonated with it. So I was really glad that I did that. And I caught myself in that moment because, working in this field, you do, you know, you're opening yourself up to an ocean of energy and just like our ocean, there's a lot of things in it. And so you have to be prepared if you do get interference or if you do get a spirit who's trying to kind of thwart the energy. And luckily I've had for, through trial and error and, you know, some not fun experiences, I've been able to kind of figure out when that's happening and um, like how to handle that because of that. And yes, I have had many people on other planets. Okay, that that's great. Thanks, thanks for going over that. Because, like I like I told you before we started like recording the actual episode, I I'm traditionally a science guy. So anytime there's any way to like verify some stuff, I'm all about it. So tell me a little bit about if if you can, if if you're not if you're not able to because of like privacy or whatever, that, that's totally fine. Can you talk about like some of the experiences people have had on other worlds? Cause that's really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's see, it's, it's been happening more and more lately. I think I had to get comfortable with the energy first because the first time um, I've only been doing these readings since December and it's now July. So seven months. Um and so I haven't had that much time. To, I've had a couple, several hundred sessions at this point, but um, the first guy, um, just the moment I connected with his energy, I just felt like this different frequency, this different vibration to him that really made me feel extraterrestrial. And during the session, we covered many of his lives, you know, earthly based, but I kept seeing these like flickers of like other planets kind of popping into my, my view. And I told him, I was like, I really think you, you know, I feel that you've been an alien. I can feel that you've been on these other planets and you're here for this, this earth, this, this planet that you're on is just a chapter. It's just a moment for you. This isn't really your home. And so he came back and he said, you know, I really love to do a session dedicated to the alien planets. And I said, sure, I'm down to try anything. Um, but I need to meditate and I need to make sure my, I thought it would be really hard. I thought it would take a lot more energy than the typical session does. And it kind of did, but not really. And, um, so let's see, um, which one to talk about. There's, um, the thing is, it was just actually really interesting. When I experienced them, I channeled them. And I actually have a very hard time remembering the things that I've seen. Um, and so let's see. I, I saw Mars. I saw Mars at two different intervals. And one of them, it was this um, 
it was like a city that was carved into the ground. So like they didn't build up, they built down where they dug and the ground is very, very hard. So they have these very complex cities. But if you were to like stand on top of the landscape and look out, you wouldn't really be able to see anything. Everything was basically under the surface, even though it wasn't underground. Um, it was just in the ground. And that one was, it wasn't a very interesting life as far as um like what he did or anything at least I don't remember I, I remember him like helping his mom gather materials or something like I just I remember him kind of running through the streets and being able to view this kind of Martian landscape and he was part of this um council because they had a water scarcity and they were trying to figure out how to make the water last longer and how to um conserve it and then um let's see I saw I've seen like a lot of interdimensionals. Like I've seen places that aren't quite physical. They're more uh, hazy. They're like um, one place was, it was really interesting. It was, um, I was just in clouds. I just saw clouds everywhere. And I was like, what on earth is this? How is this a past life? It's just clouds. And then um, I saw this like sparkle thing, like fly by my head and I looked at it. And then as I looked at it, I felt this kind of shift. And when I looked, I saw this, um, this kind of, kingdom I guess kind of emerge itself from the clouds and it was based in like subtle subtle energy so it's just tiny little fragments of sparkles like when you shifted your energy just a little bit you're able to see these complex structures and just buildings and like people milling about but they were like very very faint and so there's like the interdimensional places that aren't quite physical and then there's you know the physical you know planets and um let's see another one was Oh, oh, I guess it was the same guy, but it was like this, um, what was it, like a blobby creature? It was, it was like, I don't know, three feet long, maybe, and it was very, like, gooey, like, if you think of, like, the 90s movie or 80s, whatever, Flubber, where it's, like, that green little, I don't know, like, mass of goo, I don't know, but it was, like, kind of transparent it was this dark blue color and it had um, the ability to kind of like stretch its body out and like make arms when it needed to or just be a worm when it needed to and it wasn't it was somewhat advanced but it didn't have a super high capacity to build like kingdoms and empires and you know mass infrastructure is much more of like a hive it was just you know basic survival and so his energy got pretty bored of that planet kind of quickly um so those those are a few. That's, that's that really interesting so too. And was there any way that you were able to to verify any of that stuff as far as like checking with what we know about, let's just say Mars or anything like that? Um, I've shared my experiences and I've had a lot of people um, tell me like pull up sources being like this it sounds exactly like what this person said about Mars over here and so um, not all of it, it really we, we were part of such a giant universe so I haven't really gotten anything on the cloud I haven't actually shared that before I don't think I've told anyone about the clouds before and then the blob creature I definitely haven't I don't think I've shared that one either so um, I to I'm not dedicated enough to do enough research and it's come, I come from a very critical mind too. So seeing all these things, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around half the things I see. And so I just kind of allow myself to go with an open, non-judged mind, experience what I experience, and then kind of let it be as it is. I've had a lot of experiences where I'm like talking about something and that person's like, oh, you're talking about this, um, like, they'll, they'll name a specific event or they'll be like, oh, wait, are you talking about Palladians? Because um, one time, 
I was talking to this woman at the beginning when I was talking about her spirit guides. Um, there's these three people who appeared and they were all dressed in this blue color and they had blue lipstick on. And I remember the female was blonde and I was, I was just talking about them and I was like, they just have a very serene kind of disposition and there's a lot of blue that they're wearing. And she's like, wait, are they Palladians? And I was like, are you guys Palladians? And they like nodded. And I was like, yeah, they say that they're Palladians. She was like, oh my God, I knew it. That the Palladians are said to be blonde haired, blue clothes, just kind of what you described. And then I asked like, um, she asked what their name was and oh god I don't remember it was one it was like incapable of my vocal cords to replicate the name it was like Aeon or something but it sounded like there were two like A's on top of each other I don't think that makes sense but like just two like words happening at the same time and so I told her that and she's like oh well you know there's reports saying that they have two sets of vocal cords so they're actually able to do that and I was like oh well that's cool I've never even heard of Palladian until this moment so um there are certain moments where I get like confirmation and someone else who saw the same thing that I did. Um, but I don't try to research everything to death because I'm tired a lot. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let me, let me, I've actually done some research into to Mars cause I was, I'm kind of like a space buff. So a couple of things that I can bring up as far as like, there's, there's two main things that I, I don't know if this interests you or not, but humans and like, earth and mars are essentially like sister planets right and there's a lot of civilizations that on earth that actually have done exactly what you were kind of describing um digging down into the into the earth to build their cities so for that exact reason that it's really hard to spot if you're just standing on the land it's really hard to spot so it kind of gives you natural protection so that actually there's humans have history of doing that too so it's actually kind of a common thing for protection um and it's kind of easier to maintain i guess or it would be and then the second thing i can bring up there was this cia project back in the 60s before we had discovered the planet saturn had that had rings we, we knew that saturn existed but we didn't know that it had rings around it so it's called remote viewing i'm sure you're familiar with that yeah but the cia actually invested millions and millions and millions of dollars into into remote viewing and and psychics so you know whenever the government's involved i i give a lot more credibility to this to things like this because they spent millions of taxpayer dollars on this so this guy they what they did is he actually is the one that like years and years before they sent the i think it was the cassini spacecraft that that drove that flew by saturn and photographed the rings he actually described the rings before we even knew anything about them so that's interesting the same guy they were trying to like debunk him and prove him to be a liar basically so they gave him a set of coordinates in an envelope and then they told him the time that he was supposed to remote view and it was like a million years ago or something like that and and they thought that he was going to describe earth because they didn't tell him that it was on mars and he starts describing this like alien landscape um kind of talking about the same kind of thing that you were about the water and how they they're kind of dying off and their planet's turning into a desert they're just trying to live they're 
kind of moving underground because that's the only safe haven from storms and things like that. And, and the guy's like, I don't think that this is earth that I'm looking at because these people are communicating with me and I'm just supposed to be viewing with them. And these people were like talking to him and he's like, I think this is Mars and and it actually was Mars. Wow. And and I have the documents I can get, I'll provide the documents in the description of this episode for anybody who wants to check that out. Cause that's legit. Like the guy actually saw Mars and, and he's, he's legit because the CIA invested millions and millions of dollars. So, you know, I, I totally can buy that the Mars thing for sure. So that gives, if you want those documents, if anybody ever questions you. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh, I love hearing about that kind of stuff. Cause I remember it's just the first time I was, I was like world war two or it was world war one or something. I don't remember, but I just remember that her, this past life, this particular client that her past self decided to join a war because a civilian ship went down and she named it immediately. It started with an L. I don't remember what it's called anymore. But she was like, are you talking about th- th- this? Because it like a passenger ship went down and a lot of people, and that's how America got involved with the war. And I was like, oh shit, okay. I didn't know that, but good to know. I love, I love it when I like see something and like I've had people like, um, sorry, um, but I have like three things I'm trying to say at once. <laughs> um, like the verification. I love the, the verification. verification is great. I, yeah. I love that. Um, I've had several experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah. I saw like a device once and um, it was this box and it had all these like um, gears inside and it had these like bunches of buttons on it and it had like a little handle, like a little crank handle on the side. And I described it to him and I said, like, I think it has something to do with math. And I see you using it your whole life and like rubbing your fingers along the emblem on the side. And like three days later, he was like, so I've been doing a lot of research and I'm pretty sure what you're talking about is a mechanical calculator from like the early 1800s. And so he sent me a bunch of pictures and I was scrolling through the photos and lo and behold, like the third or fourth one was the thing that I saw in my, in the past life reading. And I, I was, did you, sorry to interrupt you. Did, did you have any knowledge of that before seeing this? No, I'd never seen, I didn't, I know. I, I never once thought about the calculator's history ever. Like I'd never seen, encountered nothing like that. I didn't even know as I was saying it, I was just like, at first I don't really get worried about it anymore, but no, I was more the early days and I was like, Oh my God, I hope this existed. Oh my God. I hope I'm not making this up. Cause I do fear. Like I'd never want to give anyone false information. I want to be as authentic as I possibly can be and just see things how they are. But no, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the calculator before then. Yeah. That's really compelling too. I'll, I'll do some research and provide it like a link to, to what that looks like. So people can kind of check that out too. Yeah. I think I should have it in my email somewhere. So um, I'll, I can send it to you. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Cause I would love to provide that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Cause you really do get so much detail and so much feedback that you wouldn't like, like is mind blowing when you think about it. The other way I think I get verification is I, I'm not very well traveled. I haven't been a lot of places I'd like to, um, I'm getting to a point where I can start traveling, um, which is exciting to me, but I really haven't been anywhere these days. I've never, I'm currently located in Northern Washington and from Southern California, never left the country. Um, and I see places all over the world and often I'm talking about just someone who's been there 
And I'm, and so I get nervous because I'm like, okay, well, I see like sandy beaches. Are there sandy beaches in India? And they're like, oh yeah, there are in like this one specific part. It's like, okay, great. On the right track then. Or like Ireland, Ireland's when it gets rainy in Ireland from the past life experiences, the clouds were like right on top of you. Like uh, here in Northern Washington, it rains all the time, but the clouds feel really, really high up. And there it felt like right on top of you. And I was talking to her. She actually was living in Ireland at the time, or I think she still lives in Ireland, but she's like, yeah, no, it's, it's very drear here. Like the, the, it feels all encompassing when it rains. So it's kind of cool because like I see places I've never been to before and don't know anything about, and I can describe them and kind of like describe them extremely accurately so far. Yeah. That's, that's really compelling to me when, when you can verify stuff that you had pre no previous knowledge of. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really interesting to me as well. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, now it's kind of time, I think, to touch on my favorite thing to talk about, which is the spirit guides. I love okay. talking about the spirit guides. So, so tell me a little bit about what you, what you know, or what your theory is about spirit guides in general. Ooh, theory. I don't know about theories. Um, I spirit guides have been a huge part of my life and they're a huge part of actually how I learned the very first past life I saw was because a spirit guide came to me and took me on a journey and showed me my past lives and like a vision. Um, and so past, uh, spirit guides have been huge for me. Um, it's really, I, I credit them to how I got my gifts. I read a book called how to hear your angels by Dorian virtue. And she gave techniques on how to not only talk to your spirit guides, but give us, um, give a session for another person. And so I was practicing on one of my best friends and it was the very first time I saw auras. I saw like just this room full of people and um, it was just extremely eye-opening. And after that, my gifts kind of started coming tenfold. And so I have heard so many different ideas on spirit kites. Like I've seen, I've heard people say we have anywhere from three to 12. I hear um, that they shift in and out. Um, how I think it works is that we do have guides and the guides will shift in our lifetime. We have like set ones. Everyone's different. That's the other thing is some people have like their group and that group is with them from birthday to death day. Like they're there the whole time. Other people go through kind of evolutions where a guide that serves them for the first 20 years might not serve them for the next 20 years. So they get kind of different people who shift in and on out. I've seen some people with a lot of guides, like a lot, a lot of guides. And I've seen some people who have like two or three around them. Um, so I love working with guides. And I think that when you first realize that you do have a spirit guide, do you do have a team on the other side who's working with and for you? It just is this big realization. You're not alone and you're not in this just isolated. You have people supporting you. You have beings who are working with you every step of the way to make sure you're going where you need to go. Yeah. You know, I, I love talking about this. Okay. Cause like you said, everybody has different theories. The biggest problem that I have talking about this with people is usually everybody's like, this is how it is. And, and this is absolute fact when really, like you said, everybody is a little bit different and everybody has um, different experiences. 
Yeah, I believe we're all meant to, we all experience this world differently. We all have, we come from different religious backgrounds, different ethnic backgrounds. We come from different geographical areas. We all have different experiences on the world. We're all such different people, every single one of us. And so why would spirit guides be the same? Why would anything be the same? You know, certain religions resonate for other people, but don't for other people. That doesn't mean one's right or wrong. It just means that's what that person needs right then. So, and we're not fucking dead yet. Like we have no way to definitively say anything anything we are blind little rabbits running around on this planet just trying to figure it out so who are we to say that anything is or isn't it's just we are, we're experiencing it for what we experience and that's it yeah I, I agree with that so so what do you think they are um well um in my experience and the ones that i've talked to they can be i mean they can be anything it depends they're a lot they're depends on which dimension they come from and depends what their background is. A lot of times they're like the soul family, the soul tribe, just kind of the people who've been with you since the beginning of you and kind of helping you out. Sometimes they're mentors. Sometimes um, I do think we kind of grow in and out of new guides, but I've seen anything from what I classified as, you know, angels to shadow realm beings, to dragons, to, uh, like ghosts who just want to help, but, you know, don't want to cross over. They just want to be in the in-between state. Um, so guides are really just someone on the other side who has your best interests at heart and really wants to help you. And that could definitely be a past life connection. It can be just a soul connection. It could be a contract. It could be a lot of things. So would you describe spirit guides as a separate entity then, or part of yourself? I think they're separate. Um, I think that like the part of yourself spirit guide would be the higher self and like the outer extensions of the self, which definitely acts, the higher self definitely acts as a spirit guide. Um, but I think that the traditional spirit guide and how I view it is there, there is separate consciousness. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree with you. I, I kind of view them as like a separate order of beings. Have you Have you ever read the book journey of souls by michael newton yes i have i love that book that book literally just opened my eyes up to so many things yeah i i don't know how much i completely buy into it because i like i said i i question everything but it, right. it's really interesting that that he was able to get such consistency across the board uh, allegedly right. allegedly without telling them anything beforehand Right, right, right. Because right. we, we really only know what we're given, right? Yeah, because, you know, if if let's just say he did tell his clients what he would what he had seen or what he had gotten from his clients previously, that throws his whole credibility out the window because that hypnotic state is very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, vulnerable. So, yeah. but, you know, it did give me a lot of unique perspectives about spirit guides. And I tend to with my experience and what I've heard, I tend to think that they are like a separate organization of beings, not, not even like order, but like, like an organized, um, I don't even know what to call them, you know, like it's just like a different organization that's very organized. And there's like a, there's like a system. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I do see the system and I do see that there is, um, I don't know if it's a hierarchy is the right word, but it does seem to be like an organization that um, it's interesting because I do see the very organized side part of it where it's kind of like a person is assigned a spirit guide. And then I see um, 
the other side of it where it's literally just like a spirit they met a couple lives ago who are just, you know, they decided that they're friends now and they're going to hang out with them on the other side forever. So I think, I guess I use the guide term a little loosely and just, you know, being on the other side who helps. Yeah. There's like, there's like guides and then there's like, like, uh, friends, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, and, the organization of guides is what is really what fascinates me. Um, you know, that, that experience I told you about with the little girl when she was spilling the beans to me about what happens after we die from her perspective, I kind of tend to think that when we die, it's kind of like tuning into a different radio frequency. So depending on what frequency you tune into, it's a little bit different for everybody. That's kind of mm-hmm. what I tend to believe. But for, for this little girl that was, for a lack of a better term, inhabiting Taylor, the guide, when, when she was talking to me about what happened after she died, Taylor saw her guide grabbing a string that was attached to this little girl's back and was just like yanking on it, trying to get her away from me. And, and the little girl mid-sentence was like, quit tugging on me. I'm trying to talk. Oh, my and God the spirit guy was just yanking and yanking and, and Taylor didn't do anything to stop, stop her. Cause you know, she could have removed her at any time, but once, once the, I told the little girl, Hey, you know, it's time for you to go. She told me that she was scared to go because there was some things out there that chase her and she doesn't, and that she's scared. I said, try to find a guide. You know, I felt really bad, but I was like, you can't hang around me and you can't hang around Taylor. You, you gotta go. I'm sorry, but look for a guide. So after that was done, after I brought Taylor back and we were like, like the first thing Taylor did, she looked at me with this look and she was like, what the fuck, Ian? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. And, and so right after that, her spirit guide walked up to her right in her face and put his, his finger in her face and was like pointing at her face. And she was just like, um, I'm sorry. Uh, and he just kept like wagging his finger in her face. And Taylor's just kind of like, I'm sorry. Um, she kind of didn't really know what she did wrong because it was the little girl that was there. And then he walked up an invisible staircase, opened a door from nothing and walked through. I asked Taylor, hey, it's a, do I have your spirit guide's permission to kind of bring you back out? And he opened up that door and made a shooing motion with his hands. That's so funny. I love the personality with spirit guides. People like to think spirit guides are very, I don't know, godly, very like kind of, you have to be really respectful. And I mean, you should respect people in the fact that you should respect everybody, but they have personality to them and they get, they can get mad. They can definitely get frustrated. They can get protective. They can get freaked out too. Like they have personality to them. It's cool when you get to see that like flipping you off or whatever, whatever he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting. And it's like I was saying before, it's, I kind of, I, I don't want to get too much into this, but I, when, when I was first like having my, I'm going to call it my, my spiritual crisis. Okay. That's what I'll kind of mm-hmm. refer to it as. And I don't like to get too many into too many details about this, yet um because i don't like slamming on anybody or any organization or anything Mm -hmm. but when i was having my my spiritual crisis 
I went on Reddit and I made a post and I was like, Hey, so can people tell me about spirit guides? Cause I've heard about them. I I'm curious about them. I want to know more. And all I got, and I even put in the, in the, in the question. And I said, I'm not religious. And I don't believe at the time, I don't believe in God. And I didn't believe in Jesus still don't, but I didn't believe in Jesus. And I don't believe in God and all that stuff. All I got was a bunch of Christians coming in there telling me that spirit guides, I can only talk to them if I'm close to God and I'm close to Jesus and I've accepted Jesus into my life. And I was like, I just told you people <laughs> that I don't believe oh, in no. Jesus. I don't believe in God. So who do you think you are? <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, I feel like certain religious people have a bit of entitlement to them thinking that their frame of thinking is the only frame of thinking and they kind of can shove that down people's throats. Um, there's a lot of really good resources to learn about. There's a lot of good books on spirit guides, I think. Um, if, if, cause I've seen those questions on Reddit about the spirit guides. I'm kind of wondering if I saw that one actually, cause it sounds familiar and the information that people give isn't always great. So it, it's a good, I think Reddit's a great resource. It's just not an all encompassing resource. Cause then you get, you're just asking a question to the population and we all know how the population can be. Yeah. There's a lot of kooky people too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would love to have some of them on my show. The kooky people, yeah, because yeah. they're fun. They're fun to talk to. Yeah, exactly. Get out of there. Yeah, I. Yeah, I was. Um, I, I like astral projection and like working with astral projection. And I was kind of practicing with a group of people, and one of them went very kooky very quickly and very just the aliens are not the aliens like the reptilian people are taking over the vaccine is evil it just it's just very much like unhinged just very unhinged and it was kind of sad but it was also like it's I, I just think it's interesting i get very interested in other people's perspectives and how they view this world we live in yeah astro, astral projections i can't even talk <laughs> astral projection kind of scares me to be honest with you yeah why is that <laughs> just the thought like if let's just let's remove the thought that it's not that there's a possibility that it's not real okay let's just pretend that 100 percent when you astral project regardless of what anybody believes right now when you astral project you leave your body right a part of you does yes but for all intents and purposes you're leaving your you're leaving your shit alone and like there's no padlock there you're just wide open anything could come and go balls deep <laughs> i mean i guess um i like to learn use a lot of protection techniques so i don't really worry about that and i feel that if i felt a threat well i know if i felt a threat because i actually don't astral project in the typical way do something called split mind projection where I'm more of in a trance and so I'm still a little bit in my body but also not in my body kind of similar how I do my readings um so like I can get that I get that fear but there are ways to navigate around that for sure and here's the other thing too is again for anybody that's listening in the audience I, I have to talk to the audience so I do this too so for anybody in the audience, when you astral project, it's commonly referred to that you have, I don't know what they called it. Oh, yeah, maybe you can help me um, kind of come up with the actual terminology, but you have a cord, like a spirit umbilical oh, yeah. cord kind of that 
like attaches you to your body. And supposedly if that gets severed, you're pretty much just. I mean, I don't know. I guess I've never seen the cord and I've projected and I've never like seen the cord. I don't know. I've, but you've, you've heard people talk about it though, right? Oh, for sure. I've definitely heard people talk about it. I just can't imagine something like that. Well, okay. No. All right. Cause at first I was like, I can't imagine it actually getting severed, but I've seen a lot of crazy shit out there. So, um, there is a chance, but I just think that if you have the fear, like if you're genuinely like afraid, that's going to invite more negative things in. But if you go with your spirit guides and if you take a spirit guide and say like, stand by my body and watch it, like make sure I'm okay. Like if I'm going to do this, I need to make sure I'm okay. I'm protected. I'm safe. That it's, I'm, I'm going to be fine in this experience that gives you, and you do have to place a lot of trust in things that are physically difficult to see. And so for me, like I allow myself to do that because I put a lot of protection in place and I make sure that my guides are there and that I'm not alone. Um, so that that's a way to, to kind of work around it. But yeah, no, I, it, so for me, it's just astral projection is ancient. It's, it's been done around the globe forever. And so that shows that it, you know, it can't be that bad. It can't be that dangerous, but I've had some somewhat dangerous experiences in the astral. Um, so, you know, if you do feel like it's too much for you, then I can't really blame you for that. Yeah, there's just kind of two things for me is the first thing is the aphantasia. I don't know if I would physically be able to even do it. And then the second thing is, if I do have like that owl dude, if he's a spirit guide, I don't even know how to like talk to them if it's possible. I've tried before and there's just nothing. And again, it could be the aphantasia. That's it's really challenging to do this kind of stuff for myself with that condition yeah well in my experience spirit guides talking to your own is very difficult it's much more difficult than talking to another person's for whatever reason i think it's because we have biases in place because we really want it um when i have really strong vivid conversations with my spirit guides it's always when i reach this almost like inner meditative state where I allow, I allow the information in and I don't have that much control over when that happens. I just have to bring myself to a state where if they want to talk, they can't talk. So I've heard of people who have like just open door conversations all the time with their guides. And I'm not like that. I kind of wish I would be, but um, I like to think that I don't know, when you're learning to talk to your spirit guides, you just have to have the mind of a child. You just have to, you know, kids don't care if it's real or not. If you hear any whisper back, you know, indulge in it. Because when I first started talking to my guides, granted, I don't have that fluent conversation that other people have, but I do, I can talk to them a little bit. Um, it started very, very quiet. It very started very, very soft and it grew. And as it grew, um, it went from, well, it went from like zero to like five to like eight to like nine. And then it hit like a pivotal point where I went to like 60 and it was very vivid and too much at once, actually. Um, so it, it takes time. And if you want to like, just try, you have to trust your spirit guides are there. Like your spirit guide is probably standing right next to you listening to this conversation. And so just trusting that they're there and just, you know, yelling, like, I can't see you, but I know you're there and I know you want help. So if you can help me with this, please. Um, it can be as simple as that. So do you actually hear it? So, so describe to me what you actually hear. Is it your own voice? Is it another voice entirely? Or is it like your own voice, like your own self-talk mixed with a different voice? Kind of describe to me what you hear. 
It's um, not my voice. It depends on the spirit guide. Different spirit guides communicate in different ways. Um, some of them are very distinct in their voice. They have, there's the feminine voice and there's the masculine voice and there's kind of an in-between where they don't really have either. And they usually have um, like a tone to it and it's just very distinct. And I've had some spirit guides who just kind of whisper in my head and they're a little harder to make out. I have others who just their voice is just so just loud and distinct that I cannot mistake it. And then I have others who communicate in more images and feelings and kind of impressions. And that's a different way. And I had one entity come to me, not really a guide, but an entity. And it felt like it really wanted me to hear what it had to say. Wasn't quite sure how to really connect with the human brain yet. And it literally felt like not painful, but the sensation of him carving the words into my brain. Like it literally felt like he was just like trying so hard that each like syllable felt like it was being carved into my brain, but without the pain, but with the sensation of carving, which I know is weird. But um, so it for, for me, it's it depends on the guide and I hear them mostly in my mind, I've had a couple like actual physical hearing them. Um, but yeah, they, they, it's never my voice. Um, I, and my higher self will be my voice, but it's, it's typically not my voice. Um, it's their own voice. So the reason I asked that is because with the aphantasia, this is probably going to sound really weird. So you, most people out there every day, you'll hear like a voice in your head and it's your own voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call it self-talk, right? Right. I don't actually have that. I've never heard my own voice in my own head. Not really? one time. Yeah, it's really weird. Well, not weird for me. It's normal for me. But everybody that I talk to, they're just like, wait, you don't hear a voice? And I'm like, no. They're like, well, how do you think? And I just, I don't know. Oh I, I, just, I just think it. I just have That's like, so cool. the idea of words pop in my mind. And the only time... I, I was told by only by, by one psychic person that I kind of trust more because they were able to tell me more accurate things when I didn't tell them any information beforehand. They told me like a lot of accurate stuff and it kind of weirded me out. So right. I give more credibility to this. I think they said I'm something called clairsentient, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Uh, isn't that where it's like you get kind of like downloads in your head, sort of? Oh. I mix things up a lot. I think so. What is that? Claircognizance? Claircog- uh, yeah, it, yeah, it might Claire- be that. I it's think like that's an what interstate of knowing. Yeah. So I've only had like one, one or two experiences where that actually came through. And I was doing a regression for somebody and I got the thoughts. Like it was the weirdest thing. It just like, it felt like it was imprinted across the top of my brain. It just said, bring her out. There's nothing for her here. And the person was literally just seeing walls everywhere. They couldn't get anywhere. And we ended up talking a lot about it afterwards, but it was, that was the only time that I've ever like, it didn't come from me because it was a different sensation than my normal thoughts. My normal thoughts just kind of come from the middle or the back of my head, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, no. I actually, when I, I, I'm the same way, it's a different sensation when the guides talk to me and it comes from a different place in my head. Yeah. Mine came from the, like, from from left to right right across like my forehead it it was like bring her out there's nothing for her here but my thoughts normally come from like the middle or the back of my head it's so it's so (laughs) it's so weird talking about it like it's so weird describing it (laughs) 
I think people should talk about it. I think being the master of your mind and understanding when your thoughts come, how do they emerge into your head? You know, what, how does it work for you? I think that helps give you the capacity to understand when you are experiencing someone else talking to you into your mind. If you're talking, if it's, whether it be telepathic, whether it be a guide, whether it be an entity, you can kind of figure out what you're talking to based on how the information comes into your head. For me, guides come from like the top of my head. And when I'm talking to like my inner deep consciousness that comes from like the bottom, like it comes, it's almost like it comes from my throat. It's, it's being aware of your mind and the direction of your mind and how things kind of flow through it is, I think it's important. I, th- I don't think anyone talks about it. And I think they should talk about it just because it gives you more control. That's really interesting. I, I haven't really ever heard anybody anywhere talk about where their thoughts come from, like in their, like the location in their brain. It's so, I'm glad we're talking about this. This is really interesting because I've never heard anybody talk about it. Neither have I ever. I like, haven't either. <laughs> yeah, mine, it's, it's so weird. Like it almost feels like my thoughts, you know how like, your brain has the little fold in the middle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of feels like my thoughts just kind of like ride that wave. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I get that right up the middle of that. And, but it's not, it's not a voice. And then that, that one time, and I only had one audio experience where I physically heard it. And it's a funny story if you want to hear it. Yeah, sure. Okay. I was about to be stealing some Halloween candy. <laughs> That's okay. what happened. I woke up. <laughs> I woke up at like 5.30 in the morning after Halloween and I went out. It was, this had to be when I was like six or seven, right? I was just a little kid. I went out into the living room uh, to get some of my Halloween candy. And I just kind of sat there digging through my, my pillowcase because we threw it in a pillowcase. Yeah, so did uh, I. Yeah, it's the best way, right? It's the only way. And you make multiple trips, maybe with a different costume and yeah oh wow you're good at finessing the halloween candy yeah. i wasn't that i wasn't that yeah. hard on it <laughs> i knew the system we drove to where the we, we drove to where they gave out some full-size candy bars oh yeah you to gotta the know where the people. rich people yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so i i was sitting there i i already ate all my full-size candy bars the night before but i knew that my brother and my sister they had some so i was i looked under there we had this like couch that kind of like an old style victorian looking really ugly couch and their 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 candy was on either side underneath the couch and i just kind of was like ooh yeah i'm going to get me some of that and i just started like crawling over like all all sneaky and as soon as i grab i touched the bag and then i heard this whisper like like it sounded like it came from my kitchen underneath the kitchen table which really creeped me out oh. and it said it just whispered not in like it, looking back it's it wasn't like menacing and it wasn't malevolent or malicious or anything like that it just whispered don't steal oh and i screamed and then i ran back to my room that's so interesting i wonder if that was an ancestor or something keeping you in check like hey <laughs> yeah looking, looking back on it i kind of get the sense it was like either my great grandma who I knew and was pretty close to before she died or my, or my dad's mom who kind of passed away before I was born. Yeah. It was kind of, it was a very maternal feeling looking back at the time. It scared the shit out of me, but well, that's kind of what uh, grandmas and mothers are supposed to do is scare the shit out of you. So you don't do it again. Um, (laughs) But it's interesting because when you're talking about that, like I kind of just felt like a, like a 
just it was a spirit like not an entity not a guide I felt like it was like a spirit so it kind of it makes sense to me that you sense like a grandmother or great-grandmother yeah something like that I just got some chills it's weird yeah oh there you go that's a confirmation <laughs> gotta take the subtle signs it helps yeah it's weird but yeah that's that's the only other time I've ever had nice like, yeah yeah an experience where I heard something the only time ever actually and it was because you're gonna steal candy. That's yeah, so it was because I was gonna be stealing. I was gonna get me some. I, I remember the thought I had. I was like, I'm gonna get me some of that. <laughs> Don't steal. That's great. That was, you know, the you know. I feel like kids are. How old were you when that happened? I couldn't have been more than like seven. Yeah, I usually about like eight, nine, ten, they start, kids start kind of questioning and closing the doors that let them hear the things. And so it kind of makes sense that you were young when that happened. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, I physically heard ghosts. My house was haunted as all hell growing up. It was really bad, but, but that was the only time I've ever heard something that was like, not trying to scare me. Right. Yeah. I grew up in a haunted neighborhood. So I get that. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of audio. I've had like maybe two audio experiences. One of them, I heard like a wooden flute and it tripped me out. I was like looking around my backyard, like trying to find it. And um, the other one, it was, it was just like a voice and it just was like yelling at me at the end of the street. And that might've been just a spirit because again, haunted neighborhood. Um, But I haven't had anyone tell me not to steal. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it was weird. It was just, it's weird. Looking back weird on is that. fun. Weird is fun. Life would be so boring if it wasn't weird. That's, that's true. That's yeah. true. So I kind of want to circle back to spirit guides and I want to kind of ask you a couple hard questions. Okay. Maybe, maybe a little bit of controversial questions. Ooh. All right. So as far as like religion goes, where uh, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this question. Where do you think the guides fit in religion? Yes. Like a specific religion. Let's mm, let's go with, let's go with Christianity. Let's just, let's just go out guns blazing. What, what role do you think they had in Christianity or Christianity or have in Christianity um, cause I've never, I'd never heard them talked about ever. Um, okay. So and that I might was, be a weird question. Sorry for no, that. No, I know it's not. Um, I was raised by an atheist and an agnostic and my father was the atheist and he also happened to have a religion study degree. And so hmm. I got like lectures about all these different religions and kind of how they all said the same thing, but in slightly different ways and deemed that they were right and everyone was wrong. And so I recently, actually very recently, have learned just the fundamentals of Christianity because I did not know really anything about it, like um, just kind of what I heard in passing all over this time. So I don't know like the Bible very well, and I don't know like religious passages very well, because when I talk about my guides, my roommates currently are devout Christians, and I was kind of talking about guides, and they were like, what? 
and then my roommate started just saying like, oh, well, we don't really have that. Like, we don't really talk about that. We don't really have angels. And if you do talk about angels, it's not, it's not what you think it is. And it blew my mind. Like it just, it literally blew my mind. I was like, how do you guys not have this? Like, how do you not have this? This is such an important, incredible part of like my universe and like other, like there's such a pivotal tool. What do you mean you don't have this? So, so did your dad raise you with the concept of spirit guides then? No, uh, not at all. He raised me with the thought that um, we could never know truly what anything means. And so just learn as much as you can and think critically and think for yourself. So um, when I approached my spiritual journey, um, my dad actually, for the very first time, finally it clicked for him that spirit guides are something he can actually start to maybe even believe in Um, because he's really into Carl Jung and Jung talks a lot about Jung or whatever. Um, He talks a lot about well, um, no, there's like a side book for young about how he got a lot of his information from spirits who would come talk to him. My dad was like, wait, those are the spirit guides. Alia talks about. So no, I, my spiritual journey was hundred percent facilitated by me. I didn't, luckily I didn't have to deprogram any religious thinking in order to do it. I just had a program critical scientific thinking, which I didn't really deprogram. I just adapted it to this. Um, so I don't truly, I don't know how spirit guides work, um, in Christianity because I just don't know enough about Christianity to make that opinion. That, and that might've been a poor way to, to phrase the question, but you really, you, you kind of brought up the exact topic that I wanted to talk about is, you know, your, your conversation or your, uh, concept of spirit guides kind of happened in a natural way. Like it, it happened on its own. Whereas Mm -hmm. like, if you have a set of dogmatic beliefs, like Christianity, Christianity is a very, very dogmatic religion. Mm -hmm. It's a very dogmatic set of beliefs. You have to take your whole life and fit inside this tiny, tiny, tiny box. And if you don't fit inside that box, then you burn in hell essentially. Right. Right. So the closest thing that the closest thing that they have to a spirit guide is either like a guardian angel or maybe they call it like the Holy spirit and they, they look at the Holy spirit almost as kind of like your conscience a little bit. Whereas they kind of look at like the natural man as an enemy to God. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's interesting because the natural man wants to sin and you have to overcome the natural man. Right. So, you know, to, to me that that's interesting that you were able to, reach the concept of spirit guides on your own without having any religious religious background. Right. Well, I definitely had my crisis growing up because as a kid without religion, I grew up in a rather Christian town and um, I was looked at weird for not following anything and people really kind of ostracized. Not, I wasn't like cast out or anything, but I definitely had certain people who would avoid me because I wasn't religious and I didn't go to church. And so it made me really afraid that I was and angry. I thought um, I was going to go to hell for something that I wasn't even educated on. And I was going to accidentally end up there because I just wasn't brought up knowing about it. And then I got even angrier realizing that why would any God put me in hell for being ignorant when it's not my fault I'm ignorant. And and then like um, as I got older, I just started I really try to find myself and I just started kind of meditating. And as I started meditating um, and being introduced to different Eastern philosophies, like astral projection and just 
um, like Buddhists and just, just different kind of philosophies. I just started thinking, well, what do I want? What do I feel? What do I feel exists here? And started just kind of reading and seeing what kind of intrigued me. And spirit guides were really natural for me and came, um, just, it, they just kind of came very quickly. The very, it's, um, I definitely think I have a more unique experience with my spirit guides. So like as a kid, I grew up with, um, this presence on my right side and, um, it was like this warmth on my like neck to my shoulder and it would breathe and it would really feel like someone was breathing on me and it never felt positive and it never felt negative. It just was, and it was there for years and it wasn't there 24 seven, but it was there every day. And I, I felt it a lot in class, which I now recognize this when I had a lot of anxiety and I became an angsty teenager and angry and pissed about not understanding or having any grasp on myself or the world or any, anything. And so I got mad at it. And I was like, I don't, you know, you separate me from other people. I already feel different. So you need to get out of here. And it did. And I didn't feel the presence again. And then when I started meditating, um, I felt it return very tentatively and I didn't get mad at it. And I was instead of starting to be like curious about it. And so it was this one moment and I, I, I'm sure I read something about spirit. I really don't remember if I had read anything about spirit guides when this happened. I may have, but um, I was holding this stone of mine and I was looking at it and I was just kind of going into a meditative state. And I just asked like, what was that presence? You know, I would like to understand what this presence was. And that was the first out of body experience I had. That was the first real vision I had. And I saw this man walking towards me and I felt like I could, I could feel myself sitting on the couch that I was on, but I could also feel myself standing on wet concrete. And I was looking around, I was looking at this, this man, and this actually ties in pretty well because this is the first past life experience I had too. And he starts talking to me and he just starts telling me about how he knew me as a child and he, sorry, I dropped my microphone. So if it faded out for a second, but he just started talking. Um, he just started talking to me and he started explaining that he just watches over me and he kind of takes care of me. Um, and he just, he's just a protective figure over me. And, um, I asked why, and the place where kind of wavered and now I felt myself standing on grass and I was looking at this little shed and he started, he disappeared. And I started reliving this life where I saw myself, um, with a husband and a daughter and I saw these um, religious soldiers come in and burn everything to the ground and murder my husband, murder my daughter. And then they took me and they sold me as a sex slave onto a ship. And I was kept below for a while. I was kept below um, in kind of like this, I don't know, the, the brig or something like the jail cell of the boat. And there was a man in the cell next to me and he, um, told me he came from an acclaimed family and he was pretty beaten and um, sweaty and just, you know, gross because he was trapped there. And um, they were planning on selling him for like ransom money or something. And um, he, that, that was my spirit guide because the faces were exactly the same. And he, like that, that man in that life fell madly in love with me. And I was a little too damaged to reciprocate the feelings, but um, he vowed to get us out of there. 
And he eventually the crew was stuck at sea longer than needed and lost a crew member. So he was adopted. He, he was just kind of left to mop the floor. So he started making like very, very small wage and um, kind of just had this plan to get us out of there. And I wasn't very optimistic. And then I ended up dying because there was a storm one night and the captain came in. I don't know who was watching the ship, but the captain came in. There's a storm. And, um, he was really drunk and he was trying to scare me a little bit. And he had this knife and he was just kind of mess around. I think it was something he did a lot. And then the, the ship lurched and he kind of fell on top of me and the dagger like went into my abdomen and I died. And then I got pulled out of that memory and I heard him say like, I couldn't save you then. So I watch you now. And, um, that was the very first spirit guide I talked to. It was the very first past life I'd ever experienced. And it really changed my life <laughs> entirely. Um, so that was, that was my introduction to spirit guides. And that was my introduction to just realizing that I don't understand anything about how this world works and I got to be open-minded about it. That's, uh, I don't like to use this word lightly, but that's awesome. Like, it's not awesome that that <laughs> happened, but it's awesome that you were able to pull that out. It was really cool. It was really cool. And I was at a good place to be able to hear it. And I wasn't affected by the fact that I saw such a brutal past life. I was able to kind of see it and just, just experience it and just see it and not be, you know, brought down by it. Um, and it was, it was very cool. It was very, very vivid too. It was like the first like real, like vivid vision, like quest that I was on and it, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. That's, that's crazy that, you know, he, he stuck with you and that's, it's kind of nice in in a, yeah. in a messed up kind of way, I guess. Right. <laughs> in a kind of a traumatic kind of way. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of traumatic, but it's nice. Uh, yeah. And then he was gone for like five years and he just kind of came back recently. And like, I kind of feel his presence now. But it's interesting because um, I felt the warmth on my right side. And I just had this feeling he was a man. And then I learned um, through my energy healing training that the right side of the body signifies the masculine. And the left signifies the feminine. Masculine is the driven energy. The feminine is the um, the nurturing energy. And when you see a spirit standing by one shoulder or the other, you can either figure out if they're a male um, because they're on the right side, or you can figure that they're part of the male line, like their father's line. So it was just kind of cool because I always feel him on my right side and he's masculine spirit. So that was cool too. That's really interesting. You know, that, and that whole concept that you're talking about, about Reiki healing and stuff like that, I often include, I usually just include Wikipedia because it's really easy for people to just jump into and read a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll just include the, the Wikipedia link about that, just so people yeah. can check that out because that's really interesting. Um, I, I was going to ask you another question. I, I kind of, oh, I remember. So this is kind of something that everybody has different answers and i kind of sorry for grilling you so hard i just i like to i want to get as much info as i can out of you so meditation what's your take on mm -hmm. meditation how do you do it why do you do it what, what's the purpose behind it give me kind of a rundown of alia's meditation 101 uh so for me meditation is a tool um i think meditation is getting to a state of relaxed mindset where you're in a, just kind of floating within yourself. And when you're floating within yourself, you can do a couple things. You can um, 
you can just sit there and you can just float and that can be very relaxing. That can be very resetting. You can um, start looking internal. You can start looking at, um, I used to have really severe pain. And so I would look at the different places in my body of pain and I'd just start to ask why it was there and see what answers I'd got. So meditation for me is when you relax your brain and you clear all the you know junk in your brain, all the things that you're thinking about, all the things you're worried about, you let that kind of sift out and you're just left in this kind of open space space within yourself and you're sitting there and while you're in that spot you can ask for your spirit guides to step forward you can ask for your higher self to step forward and you can receive really potent communication you can receive visions you can receive um just you know information that can help you right then the trick is is that you can't like you can't force it. You have to allow it. And so when you're desperate, when you really want the answers, you can kind of thwart with what is going on. So it is tricky to get yourself to a state where you're just allowing information. So for me, meditation is just a tool with like any tool. It has diverse uses. You can use it just to relax the brain, just get rid of your anxiety, just calm yourself down. Or you can use it to incite a spirit quest or talk to your guides or look within and look at the shadow self and look at work that you need done. Um, so yeah, for, for me, how I do it and, um, I'm not super diligent on a practice and I, I have a hard time being diligent on practices, but when I feel like called to do it, I do try to do it kind of often. Um, I'll just, I'll sit, I'll put some music on, I'll set some things that kind of help set my mood, things that get me calm. And I just start breathing and I'm very kind with myself. I don't, um, I don't set a timer. I don't like having that countdown. I don't like having, knowing, knowing I'm waiting for an end. Um, I have like my thoughts kind of come up and I just observe them and I let them go. And I have the next thought come up and I observe it and I let it go. And eventually the thoughts stop coming and I'm just kind of left in this, this space of just kind of openness and just allowing myself just to just kind of be, and it can be very difficult to hold that. So um, I give myself, you know, I forgive myself if I, you know, thought does interrupt or if something comes and sometimes you get frustrated and I, I just can't get myself to that state. And I just, you know, try again later. Um, so for me, meditation, it's not, I don't have a strict diligence with it. It's just kind of, um, just getting my mind to a relaxed state. Um, just like that meditative state. So I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, yeah, it did. And <clears throat> you know, the, I, I've talked to a couple different healers or um, astrologers, psychics, different, they, they go, you know, they, everybody calls themselves something different, but I've had one, one guy who didn't want to come on the show, but wanted to kind of chat with me. He kind of told me that you have to, you have to like pick a, a purpose I just meditate on that purpose. And then I had a different person tell me that you just kind of have to let your mind wander for a while until you, you kind of just, you kind of just have to like release the idea that you of control because we're, we're so focused on controlling our lives that we just kind of have to mm -hmm. let that go. Do you agree with either one of those or, or are you somewhere in the middle? I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I don't always have a purpose. I don't always have an intention. A lot of times I do. And for what I do is I, I let my mind wander and I let the thoughts come up because I think those are important. Those are the things that my brain is trying to figure out right now. And so I'll observe it and be like, okay, if I need to think about that more later, then I'll think about it later. I don't let myself go down the rabbit hole of indulging in those thoughts. 
And then when I get to that open space, if I have the intention purpose, which a lot of times I do, and I do think it is good to go in with that. Um, like if I have a question for my guides, then, then I'll ask the question. Or if then I've, if I have an intention, then I'll ask the, then I'll state the intention. I'll state the purpose and, you know, see what happens. So, um, it, it depends what you're using meditation for. I think some people are doing it just to calm down. And so if you're calming down, you don't really need an intention. I mean, I guess your con- intention is calming down. And so that's just kind of letting your brain relax and getting to that state. Um, if it's to relieve anxiety, I think you can have the, you know, the guided meditations that relieve you to that calm state. But for me, how I like to do it, and like I say, I really have adapted my practices to just what feels best for me. And I invite anybody to do that, to do practices that feel best to them. So I've, I've had people say that I don't meditate, right? That what I do isn't meditation. And I think that they're uh, wrong. I mean, I think they're just, you know, they're looking at one fragment of what meditation is instead of just a universal tool that it really is. And, oh, I had a point and I lost it. So I guess I'll just end there. <laughs> yeah, it, that's fine. That's great. And, you know, everybody, it's kind of weird. Uh, people get like in, I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of be careful of what I say, because I don't want to get like, like completely torn apart (laughs) but (laughs) some people in in this whatever you want to call it this this field this category this this study whatever people who kind of are in a spiritual mindset slash business you know what i mean like whatever whatever you want to call it they get really competitive for some reason about like about whether i'm right whether you're wrong and it's not necessarily contained to like one religious group or one discipline it's just kind of like for some reason people get really competitive about about this kind of specifically this this thing like meditation and spirit guides and things like that they just kind of jump down people's throats about it they really do. And I, I've seen that I've experienced it. I've had, I've had multiple experiences of watching that happen and it's refreshing. It's really refreshing when you meet someone who's in a spiritual community and business and they just want to learn. They just want to learn from you. They we want to make each other the best we can. Look, I have found that recently. Um, another past life reader, the only one I've ever met, her name's Fiona. Um, and she, um, reached out to me and she's like, I'd love to do a trade with you. And I want, you know, let's, she's been doing this for decades. I've been doing this for like seven months. And she was just like, let's learn from each other. Let's, you know, compare notes and just see, you know, what's what we do, if we can make our practices easier for the other. And I absolutely love that because in my experience, I've had, um, I've been considered advanced for my age. Um, my skill sets are apparently more far along than other people. I'm 24 right now. And it's apparently they're at a higher, I don't know. I don't want to say higher. They're just at a more advanced stage than other people at my age. And so I've had healers come across and they've just 
once they start talking and they hear what I can do, they immediately like shift their attitude and then they start, you know, comparing or they try to get really competitive or I feel like this like jealousy. And I feel that we are given the gifts that we need in this life. And it's not one is above the other. We're just given what we need. And I have my gifts because I want to help the world with them. And that's what I'm doing. And well, that's what I hope I'm doing. And so I have the gifts that are necessary for me and my purpose in this life. So everyone has gifts. It's just, you know, they're tailored to what you need now. And the competitive, it's sad because this is a small but growing community, the spiritual side of things. And it needs people who are going to be authentic and know that it's not about being better. It's not about being the best uh, psychic out there. It's just about knowing that we're all, we're all seeing things. We're all picking up on things and we got to build each other up instead of trying to place yourself on a pedestal higher than everybody else. I don't know what it is. I don't know if that's a, that's something that happens in a lot of trades and a lot of different uh, companies, or just, I don't know if that's a universal thing. Um, I don't know if it's because we deal with things that some people, I mean, people ask me like, what are your superpowers and stuff? I don't think I have superpowers at all, but like, we do deal with things that some people consider are very gifted and abnormal. And so I think that if you are like that gem, like you're around and you're only psychic around, you're used to being like the only one who could see these things. And so knowing someone else can see those things could, I don't know, make you like deterred or afraid that they're going to debunk you or counter you. It's just like some inner cattiness or, uh, but yeah, I, I've witnessed experienced the competitiveness and it just makes me just like kind of a tired sad like not actually sad but just kind of tired by it like we could build this community so much stronger and so much higher if we work together instead of trying to be better than everybody else yeah different different strokes for different folks you know right like i've i think i think that so so christianity has been around for quite some time it's been around for a long long time yeah. and it's encompassed a huge part of the world well uh, my world our world kind of like the western the western civilization and i feel like people are are kind of tired of the dogma people are kind of kind of tired of it. i mean it's it can be great for people who need structure in their in their life and who mm -hmm. who really want something to believe in so you know if, if they want to go that way that's fine but i've kind of noticed lately i've been really kind of noticing like what you said that it's a growing community because i feel like a lot of people in the millennial generation and the zoomers are kind of like want to strike out on their own in a lot of different ways they, they kind of want to distance themselves from from like the boomers and and their beliefs and how they were raised and that in, that kind of includes christianity so they're kind of moving farther away from that and yeah and you know it's it's funny to me that all these new people are coming in telling everybody else how it is when it like i said it's different strokes for different folks there's no need to come in and and just be an, an asshole about it you know <laughs> right different people some people need the structure that you know a strict branch of christianity provides some people need the you know, freedom of Buddhism. Some people need the structure. Some people don't need anything. Some people need to think that nothing exists except atheism. You know, we all have our, like, like I was saying earlier, we all have our different ways of perceiving this world and we all have our different ways of doing it. And there really isn't like, 
I think when you work with energy, when you work with things on the other side, past lives, auras, energy, just in general, um, it's not like science. It is not like concrete, you know, mix two chemicals together and you get a big boom. It's nothing like that. So you can't say definitively how it works because we don't know how it works. We're still figuring it out. We're just now developing the technology to prove Reiki's real, to prove, you know, EMF signatures, uh, like there, that there's presences, things like that. So like, I don't know. It just, it's crazy to me when anyone thinks like, this is how you meditate. This is how you do that. And I feel like they have to operate that in that way. Like they have to operate in that structured mindset for their own sense. But I don't know. I, I don't know. If someone comes at me and tells me that they're right and I'm wrong, I automatically assume that they're out of their damn mind and they don't know it and they're, and they're less credible for that yeah. automatically. If you come at me and you say that your way is the only way I immediately just, just go. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Next let's move on. Right. Like you, you mean nothing to me. I want to talk to somebody who's willing to share their views and be open to other views because that's kind of what this whole show is about is having different people come on and talk about their views. And I would love to have, like, I want to have everybody from every different stroke of life, every different type of religion on here talking about this stuff so that people who listen can come on and get a different point of view. So I, I really appreciate you going over all this stuff with me and, and answering my questions. Oh, of course. Yeah. Anytime. I love talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, me too. Um, so Alia, you know, people that come on the show, I kind of allow them to share their website or their blog or their contact info, whatever you want to share. If you want to, if you want to plug your site so that people can contact you, if they're interested in having you do a past life reading or our reading or, or, or whatever they want to contact you for, do you want to just plug your site real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my website is uh, www.glowinggaea.com. It's glowinggaea.com. And you can always email me too. I'm on Instagram, glowinggaea. And my email is alia at glowinggaea if you ever have any questions. I love questions. And never be afraid to send me questions, people. Uh, it may take me a little bit to get back to you, but I do love them. That's great. I'll include all, all of those in the description at the end of the episode again so that anybody who's interested can just reach out to you and you know ali i really appreciate you taking some time to come on the show yeah thank you so much for having me it's been super fun that's it for today's episode i'd like to thank alia for coming onto the show and i'd like to thank you for tuning in resources and links to some of the things that i talked about with alia are going to be available in the description of this episode as well as on my twitter and uh, probably in the youtube version of this episode and remember if you've had an experience that could be a past life experience a near-death experience or if you just want to come on the show and talk about your spiritual views shoot me an email my email is the regression session at gmail.com and i would love to have you on the show